From the Salvation Army, welcome to the Holiness Podcast with Lieutenant Colonel Vern Jewett. In this monthly Bible study, we'll be exploring God's gift of holiness, which is offered to every Christian. To download this month's study guide, visit us at salvationarmysoundcast.org slash holiness. Hi, I'm Vern Jewett, and we are excited that you are listening to the Holiness Podcast. Thanks to the Salvation Army Florida Division, I'm able to share with you about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news for the whole world, but also about the life-empowering, intimate relationship with God that every Christian can experience every day. I should also say uh, we partner with Soundcast Ministries at the Salvation Army's Southern Territorial Headquarters here in Atlanta, and we are grateful for their uh, partnership and support. Every once in a while, it's been quite a few months since we have shared at the beginning uh, a little picture about the purpose of this podcast, and I know we have some new listeners, so... I would just like to take a moment and explain that these podcasts will focus on what the Bible teaches about the holiness of God and about God's plan and provision that his people live holy lives. Each podcast will feature a textual or topical Bible study, often a combination of those two methods. The Salvation Army Statement of Doctrine includes a commitment to the inspiration of the Old and New Testaments by God. In other words, they're God-breathed. It also commits to the sole authority of the Bible over faith and practice, what we as Christians believe and how we live. The Bible clearly makes these two claims of itself. For me, That's a shout-out to all of us who are believers to take out our Bibles and learn why we can be holy in the sight of God. I've been a follower of Jesus and in Christian ministry for most of my life. I believe that the gift of holiness is available to every believer and is central to God's plan for every believer's life. I believe as Paul prays in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 for those Christians that we can be wholly sanctified and that our whole spirit and soul and body may be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our doctrine asserts that is the privilege of all believers. So that's what we're all about. And today we're going to begin a series of podcasts with a general theme of being guided by God's Holy Spirit. And we're going to uh, focus our attention on the second missionary journey of Paul as it is recorded in the book of Acts. I know it will take us several uh, sessions and several podcasts to uh, dig out of this wonderful story uh, that takes about three chapters of the book of Acts, uh, what and how the Holy Spirit meant to the growth of the church and the ministry of Paul, uh, especially upon this second missionary journey. 
Now, I want us to have the context. The context really begins back at the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, and we'll probably go back and do a, a podcast to set that up as well and see how uh, it plays so importantly in the narrative that follows. But we're going to read just a little portion at the beginning of the actual journey that was made. So if you have your Bibles and would like to turn to Acts chapter 15, we're going to be reading from Acts 15, 36 to Acts 16, 5. And that will give us the context for looking at five verses which are loaded with very practical implications about what it's like to be guided by God's Holy Spirit. So we'll begin reading. This is the New International Version at Acts 15, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now, they had been sent from Jerusalem to Antioch, and they had been there for a few uh, months, we assume, but now they're ready to start on their journey. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now we just have to stop and make a couple comments here. Paul and Barnabas were chosen by the church, designated to go back and take the message, the wonderful message uh, of acceptance along with some specific instructions to all the churches that they had visited on their first journey. But what a surprise to see that the first thing that happens is that they have a disagreement over who's going to go along. In fact, it was a sharp disagreement. And so instead of Paul and Barnabas, as we look at the second missionary journey of Paul, his attending fellow worker is Silas, who, if you go back and read, was also chosen by the Jerusalem church to go with Paul and Barnabas on the journey. So we pick up at chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra. Now, those are two places they had already been and founded churches, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Well, those... Uh, 
words and thoughts are worth a comment or two as well. Isn't it interesting knowing that the decision of the Jerusalem Council was that, in fact, Gentiles did not have to become circumcised. And there was a great freedom given to them after uh, the witness of Paul and Barnabas about the amazing miracles and the witness of Peter about his experience with Cornelius and then the judgment by James, the leader of the Jerusalem church. Yet here, Paul circumcises Timothy. You see, the leading of the Holy Spirit takes place, the guidance of God's Spirit takes place every day through all the normal experiences of life. We would not have thought that Paul and Barnabas would have disagreed and parted ways, but God's Spirit led them to make the right choices of companions and the decision to part from one another. We never would have expected Paul to circumcise Timothy. And yet, he does so at the guidance of the Holy Spirit, being very aware of the context of the Jewish Christians who lived in the area. I want us to uh, take a moment and look at this uh, teaching in context a little bit, and I want to use a personal example. I try not to do that too often, but the year was 1978, and my wife Martha and I were in our, uh, late in our second year of marriage, and we had gone through the process of making a decision, very consciously trying to be guided by God's Holy Spirit. It was a decision that would affect, uh, the rest of our lives. I was about 30 years old at the time, and we'd been in ministry in the Salvation Army out in uh, the Southwest Division, which is Arizona and New Mexico and Las Vegas, actually, uh, at that time. I don't know if that's changed, but uh, we knew the Lord was moving us to take a firm step and we just didn't know which direction that should be. Just to tell you quickly, uh, there were three choices for me, all that I felt compelled to explore, any one of which I would be comfortable with. I'd been uh, accepted to the University of Iowa into a PhD program in Bible. At the same time, I have had a long-standing affinity and calling to campus ministry. So we were thinking about uh, campus ministry as well. And then uh, our home was the Salvation Army, and Martha was uh, uh, very gifted in ways that uh, uh, supplement me beautifully. The Lord tends to do that. And we were considering uh, Salvation Army ministry. Well, make a long story short, we had made the choice to come back to the southern part of the United States and to... Uh, go into Salvation Army ministry. It was a perfect example of how God leads us through making a decision. It was a difficult decision, and it took us months of seeking the Lord to finally be comfortable with it, when all of a sudden, we had another intrusion into that whole process. There were a group of eight or ten Christian couples 
in Flagstaff, Arizona, where we were serving with the Salvation Army, who were meeting in one of the couple's homes. Jack and Ann Holmes were very prominent citizens. And uh, the story was that the only evangelical church in Flagstaff had split, and they had felt compelled, along with these other couples, to leave the church. They had been meeting for two years on Sunday morning, 16 to 20 of them, in the home's house, in their living room. They had invited us and me to do some teaching uh, during their weekly Bible study on Wednesday nights. I'd never attended one of their Sunday morning uh, times together. But they approached us and told us they believed the Lord wanted them to offer us a position to be their pastors. And they promised uh, they had uh, a well-laid foundation of financial support. They were committed Christians. And all of a sudden, we had to make this decision. You've probably been there. These are ordinary, everyday decisions, some of which become extremely important because you know they could change your lives. And so we sought the Lord. And I'll tell you what uh, has been a key for us down through the years of our uh, lives as believers and our marriage. We always take two steps. The first step is we ask ourselves, is there anything standing between me and God and us and God in our relationship that, that we need to address? Has anything snuck in? Am I in right relationship with God? And we make sure that if there is anything, we turn our attention to it and we take care of that in our personal lives so that we know that we're in an open and intimate relationship with God and nothing is blocking, seeking his will. That's what this is all about. Being guided by God, the Holy Spirit, is the way to discover God's will. The second question we always ask ourselves is, are we being obedient to the word of God as we know it and understand it and have grown in it down through the years? Because it's very important before we ask God to guide us in any decision to know that we are following his will to the best of our knowledge through his word and what we have learned from it. And if we can tell ourselves and God and know that we are being obedient to the best of our understanding and there is nothing we are keeping from him, our relationship is open then we feel comfortable making the decision and trusting the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, you see, the life of holiness includes this wonderful aspect of being led by God's Holy Spirit. In ordinary, everyday decisions, the, one that, the ones that obviously change your lives significantly and the ones that uh, are just for the moment, the powerful, infilling Lord is able to guide your walk and my walk every day. In fact, the Holy Spirit 
has assumed the responsibility to guide us. Jesus told his disciples that before he ascended to heaven. And we are created so that we are capable of being guided by the Holy Spirit. We are not able to foretell the future or to make decisions completely on our own. When we are believers and part of God's family and indwelt by God's Holy Spirit. So the basic question we're trying to answer in this study is, are you willing to seek God, ready to accept his answers, and not simply endorsing your own plan, realizing that God's answer may be different than your plan? (laughs) It may be yes, it may be no, it may be wait. Someone told me when I was sharing this at a Bible study uh, that for him, he finds God often saying to him, are you really serious about this? (laughs) Is that what you're asking? Well, the goal of being led by the Holy Spirit is to go from what may not be clear to some open door. One uh, commentator was looking at this issue in our passage and said, the difference is presumption versus providence. That was Peter Wagner. Well, it's time to read these verses, short verses, but I think you'll see immediately that this is all about how God leads us practically in everyday living. Verses 6 to 10 in chapter 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, being uh, guided by God is clearly a combination of strategic planning on our part and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm sure you caught right away that the uh, strategic plan that Paul had put in place wasn't going to work. Verses 6 and 7 describe two false starts. So this is God, in very practical ways, guiding Paul into his will. And Paul is willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, there's two interesting phrases in these verses because what happens in verse 6 and verse 7 are different. We know that from the original language, and uh, 
We don't often uh, jump into grammar, but I want to point out a distinction between the verbs that are found in verses 6 and 7. Verse 6 says that Paul and his companions had been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, that is a particular verb form, an aorist past participle, which means in the Greek language that he had spoken previously. So when Paul and his companions begin to travel, even though it's implied that Paul wanted to go to Asia, to the province of Asia, he had been told clearly by the Holy Spirit previously that he couldn't go there. Now, that's very different from verse 7. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. Now, here is a different kind of guidance. It's a present active verb. So the guidance is being given at the point. They knew not to go into the province of Asia, so they're looking at entering Bithynia. But here the Holy Spirit gives guidance at that very point, at that very moment. This is the life of a believer, the combination of human planning and divine guidance. God prohibited Paul from going to places that he obviously would have chosen to go. And that shows us, while it's right for us to plan and have visions, those plans must be regularly submitted to the will of God. And they need to be open to his veto. I went to seminary, Asbury Theological Seminary, with a wonderful uh, young man who came from Sri Lanka. His name was uh, Jeet Fernando. Uh, He was an outstanding student, was named the outstanding preacher of his seminary class. And he uh, completed his Ph.D., I believe, at Fuller Theological Seminary, and went back to Sri Lanka, which is a country torn, a tumultuous civil war that's been ongoing for decades. And he has remained the National Director of Youth for Christ for over 35 years, now has semi-retired. But Ajith was given the opportunity to do the commentary on the book of Acts when they decided to make an application commentary for the New International Version. We are all blessed because of that decision. But Ajith calls to our attention that Paul submitted to God's will and was receptive to his voice. And even though he had his plans, he always presented these plans to God. And Ajith points us to God's word. Proverbs 16.9 is so appropriate. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And then he takes us to uh, James that book of the New Testament, very practical book written by the brother of our Lord. And chapter 4, beginning with verse 13, says this, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist 
that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Boy, isn't that a wonderful and appropriate description of this topic we're talking about? And these moments, here are Paul and his team, and they're trying to discover God's will, and they have been stopped and have received a no twice. But they keep, in this time of uncertainty, seeking the Lord. We, too, can trust God to guide us in everything we do if we earnestly seek his will. I've been thinking all through my preparation for this uh, study of our previous studies in Romans, the eighth chapter, that great chapter, which is all about a spirit-led life, and particularly verse 14, where Paul says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, let me make an observation. I don't think it's a very profound one. I think it's rather obvious. In the world we live in, our fast-moving, complex, ever-changing world, there is a strong tendency for us as Christians to lean on our own strategic planning versus being guided by God's Holy Spirit. Now look with me at verses 8 and 9. This is the ordinary story. Uh, Unless you stop and think about it and dig a little bit, a lot of these truths would not necessarily emerge. But verse 8 says, So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night... Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Well, you see, when doors close, we need to keep seeking guidance. And that's what Paul was doing. They passed by where the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow them to go. And by the way, that's the only occurrence in the New Testament of the phrase, the Spirit of Jesus. They listened and they passed by and they went to Troas. Now, Troas, if you had a map, you would see how Paul is going a different direction than his intentions, and his plan had originally made him to to seek out. Troas is north, and it's west, and it's over on the coast of the Aegean Sea. It It was a Roman colony, so it had a crowded harbor. It had important sea links to Macedonia and Greece and Europe. And Paul led them there. Now, we don't know his thinking. All we know is that they passed by Mysia, accepting the spirit of Jesus' rebuke to not go there, and they went to Troas. I'm sure his team was looking at him expectantly. Now, they would be thinking this was just the kind of strategic city that they would expect Paul to evangelize. 
But still, he didn't do anything. He needed a direct word now from the Holy Spirit. It would come soon. He could afford to wait. The Holy Spirit, after all, is the Lord of the harvest. Paul was a worker, willing, but obliged to take orders from the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit if his mission was going to be accomplished. Troas was a place of decision. And then verse 9, you may have heard about the Macedonian call. This is a very important moment in the history of Christianity, not just the history of Paul's missionary journey. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia who said to him, come over into Macedonia and help us. Now, one of the great questions of the New Testament certainly is, who is this man of Macedonia? And there are many options that uh, would be of interest. We can't take the time to uh, uh, establish them. We don't know for sure. We only know that the invitation to Macedonia came to Paul through this vision and this man. What is this vision? What does it mean? that the Holy Spirit is using this vision to call Paul to Macedonia. It turned Paul westward into Europe, and it resulted in the evangelization of the Western world. Europe became, as a result, the great center of Christianity. Here's what's at stake, folks. If Paul had been directed eastward, back the way he had come, and in the province of Asia even, where he wanted to go, or to Bithynia where he wanted to go. And he went on in that direction to India and China. How different would have been the history of the world? You see, sometimes our decisions have far-reaching consequences that we can't imagine. You remember my flagstaff decision? our flagstaff decision, that had the potential to change our lives, to change them geographically. The great difference between Flagstaff, Arizona at 7,000 feet in the western part of the country and Atlanta, Georgia and the south where we were supposed to be headed. And it would have changed our lives denominationally. But the Lord led us to make the right decision. You know, the practical application is what's really important. Bible study isn't complete until you and I apply the lessons we learn to our own lives. I don't know about your situation. It's likely that you're facing decisions that have some consequence for you. I could name several of my friends who are facing decisions of consequence right now. And I trust are seeking the Lord, being open to whatever answer he wants to give them. I mentioned in one of the last couple of podcasts that 
Martha and I were living in Florida, and we lost our home to Hurricane Ian. And we have faced and continue to face the questions about where to go now. We've been retired for some time. And what to do in the face of these unexpected occurrences in our lives. We've experienced no's as part of God's yes. And we're still trusting him. Friends, being led by the Holy Spirit, being guided by God, is the most practical and wonderful part of living a life that's set apart. God's guidance is sometimes negative, sometimes positive. Sometimes he uses circumstances. Sometimes he speaks to our reason. Sometimes it's very personal. Sometimes our decisions involve others and it becomes corporate. There's a wonderful verse, I mean, there's a wonderful word used in verse 10. And I want to go ahead and read verse 10 as we're coming to the end of uh, the passage we're studying. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. So Paul accepted that as God's will given to him in the vision, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That word concluding speaks of God's guidance. It's an interesting word. It means to bring together various kinds of data. It could be translated colloquially, to see the way things agree. That's how God uses the circumstances and our reason and his will to come together to a guidance in our lives that we can affirm a life that we can experience with the assurance that God is leading us. Things come together. Things will eventually agree. Well, just a couple closing comments. I said Troas was a place of decision. We all have our Troas. Lloyd Ogilvy, in his commentary on Acts, says this about that verse. The powerful, infilling Holy Spirit is able, able to get you and me to our Troas by whatever means he decides to use. Are you facing an important decision? Are you residing in Troas at this very moment? Well, dear friends, here's the promise. I want to assure you that to be in Troas with the Lord is better than to be any place else without him. If there's a decision for you to make, you can make it by trusting the Lord and following the lessons and the example that we see in these few verses and story we've been studying today. Let me mention some of those lessons as we come to a close. We live in the flow of the Spirit. The Spirit fills us. If you are a believer, then the Holy Spirit lives in your life. And we've talked about holiness in terms of a dynamic, living relationship. Friends, you are never alone. 
oh, there are times we feel desperately alone. But the truth is, you are never alone. God's Spirit lives in you and walks with you every moment. And in the flow of the Spirit, our lives are filled with intimacy and prayer and openness. Oh, I encourage you to talk to the Lord all day long. I try to. Some days I'm better at it, other days uh, than other days, when I seem to get caught up in my own strategy and uh, forget to uh, whisper to the Lord to help me make those even small decisions. But we live in an intimate, open relationship with God. And growing in grace, which is a a term that uh, is certainly applied to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, which is sanctification. Growing in grace includes learning to recognize the hand of the Lord in the very things that Paul and his team had to learn, in the circumstances, in the direct nudging of the Spirit, in our thinking, and our feelings, so that they all come together so that we can conclude, as verse 10 says, that this is what God has called us to do. Let me affirm again that God has created us not to be arrogantly making our own decisions. He has created us to be guided by his indwelling Holy Spirit. I mentioned Romans chapter 8, the Spirit-filled life. Some of the teachings in that wonderful chapter are that we live according to the Spirit, verse 4. That we have our minds set on what the Spirit desires, in verse 5. That the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace rather than death or hostility, verses 6 and 7. And then the wonderful promise we mentioned earlier. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Dear friends, the word for holy we've often mentioned in the New Testament means to be set apart, actually the Old Testament as well. And one way we are set apart is that we are given daily sometimes moment-by-moment guidance from the Holy Spirit. We are led by His Spirit. And especially for you who are facing decisions, be they small or large, the assurance today is that God is able, the powerful, infilling Lord is able to guide your walk. He cares about everything in your life to guide your walk today. Well, may God bless you. I hope that uh, looking at those verses and beginning to look at this uh, journey of Paul and Silas uh, will be an exciting thing and has already begun to speak to you as we see how God the Holy Spirit is actively leading and guiding Paul and Silas 
in their teens. Now, we're going to look at the rest of chapter 16, which means there are some exciting things in the next podcast that we'll be studying. We're going to be looking at uh, a lady called Lydia who's converted in Philippi. We're going to be looking at uh, uh, at a, a, a girl who had a foretelling ability. And uh, it's a fascinating story. And we're going to study, we're going to look at, uh, recorded in chapter 16, Paul and Silas in prison and the marvelous way that that led to the conversion of the jailer, a story that uh, you probably are very aware of. So I encourage you today, trust the Lord, lean not on your own understanding, and let God's Holy Spirit guide you and direct you. We'll look forward to our time together next time. And until then, be blessed. This is Vern Jewett signing off of the Holiness Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, questions, or prayer requests. Visit us at SalvationArmySoundcast.org slash holiness. And if you're enjoying this Bible study, share it with a friend. They can subscribe wherever they get their podcasts.